Chapter 4 The keys jangle on my way up the walk. His boots hit the pavement in a steady rhythm behind me. Even with shaky fingers, my muscle memory unlocks the door and flips the light on in my little great room in less than a minute. I drop the keys in the bowl on the side table and turn to see him giving my home a quick inspection with his eyes. His smile is warm and approving by the time he looks back at me. A multitude of fine lines crinkle around his eyes. I shuffle out of my coat. I hold back the offer to have him remove his jacket. I did only think this would be a minute. I fold the coat over my forearm, stand, and wait. He nods and smacks his lips together. Vampires. Every muscle in my face reacts to the word. Excuse me? Sam and I think a nest of vampires have set up shop in Stockton. Not many. Maybe four. My head bobbles atop my neck. Oh, he's discussing vampires like an exterminator would some run-of-the-mill pest. Vampires. His hands slide into his jean pockets again. The hem of his jacket rests along his knuckles. I take a long, hard look at those hands. Those hands kill monsters. He shrugs. Not quite Dracula, but they do tend to go out and look for things, or people, to feed on at night. He tilts and drops his head to get my attention back to his face. So, I hope your neighbors get themselves inside. He grins. I mean, it's not like they're in your backyard. But an hour's drive from Stockton to Smith Center is still nothing to play around with. His lips purse together before he asks, Where's Ricky at for school again? University of Kansas. In Lawrence. He nods. Good. Not super close either. I'll ask Sam to send you info on them. Vamps. You know, to answer some of your questions. Thanks? He raises a hand to laugh behind curled fingers, then scratches his chin. Take care of yourself, Winter. Don't open the door to strangers. He wags a finger at me. I exhale, processing the data and his charm all at once. Promise. He rotates on his boot heels and steps to the door. A hand reaches out for the knob. But in a flash, he's boomeranged back again to stare into my eyes. His pointy finger is in the air directed at the ceiling for a few seconds. Eyes narrow with a hard stare. Why do you do it? Do what? The age thing making yourself sound like you're old enough to be my grandmother. He lifts a shoulder. Five years older. Nothing to even bat an eye at. So, why bring it up at all? I, I don't know. Yeah, you do. He eggs me on for a reason. I wave a hand half-heartedly in the air. Maybe I feel like a grandmother. He nods. You're wise beyond your years, I'll give you that. Then, his head shakes with conviction. But you don't look like a grandma. His voice is lower, softer. I swallow. Hard. He's not moving. See, only thing I could come up with, bringing up the whole age thing so much, was you were trying to let me know you weren't interested. Wait, what? Interested? He nods in a little comical gesture. 
You're good at keeping secrets, right? Think so? His nose wrinkles. I am too. He leans back, taller, and those broad shoulders expand outward. I've been tiptoeing around this idea for a few years. Ever since I found out you and Lou broke up. Something always gets in the way that we have to take care of, and I never get around to asking. Then, I wait. See if some guy snatched you up when we're back home. No one has. He nods and licks his lips. That's a damn shame for all the other men out there. But great for me. If... He leans toward me, bends his head far down and forward to meet my eye level. You're interested. He smiles like a five-year-old. Oh, it's the only word I can get out. He shrugs. Hey, if you aren't, no hurt feelings. It's business as usual when I visit the library. But if you are, let me take you out for a drink soon. I thought, his eyes wait as I try to get my words out. I heard you and Sam earlier. I probably shouldn't, but I spill. You told him you didn't see me as a conquest. He rises up now. The confidence and swagger is back. I don't see you like that, Winner, he confirms. Guess that's why I've waited so damn long to ask. He grins. That's not to say I don't have some questionable intentions, but I have some good ones too, where you're concerned. My heart is beating like I've run a 5K. How soon do you want to take me out for a drink? Dean takes a deep breath and smiles. Tomorrow night? I'd called Ricky early the next morning. My only son had been on my mind most of the night after Dean left me to think about a mountain of thoughts. My very intuitive son knew something was up by the tone in my voice. I played it off that I'd had a bad dream. Mama Bear had woken from hibernation, that was all. He offered to come by the following weekend for a visit if that would ease my unnecessary worries. I wanted him to, but the reminder of Dean's vampire problem in Stockton made me urge Ricky to stay put. I'd be fine. And then there was the little thing about meeting Dean for a drink. Tongues would be wagging if we met in Smith Center or Lebanon. I suggested the Buffalo Rome Steakhouse in Mankato, in case we might actually want some dinner with a drink. He could always eat, he had responded, with a grin before he left me last night. I pulled into the parking lot with a handful of cars and eased in alongside Dean's Impala. I had hoped to beat him here. The driver's seat empty upon inspection, I studied my nerves and headed to the entrance. I survey the open dining section of the restaurant after a bell above the door jingles my arrival. The assault of hunting trophies, steer horns, and wood paneling throws off my ability to focus on my intended target. I'm in his sights first when I see him wave from a corner table in the back. He's up in an instant, standing in wait. God damn it. He's wearing this light blue denim button-up over a black tee and dark jeans. I know, on approach... He's going to smell amazing. The waitress gives me a nod as we pass each other. She's on her way to another table with cans of soda. 
Dina's all smiles as he pulls out one of the chairs for me with one hand. I notice he's picked the chair to his right rather than the one directly across from where he's sitting. Good choice, Winner. Pretentious this place ain't. I shrug out of my jacket. He grabs it before I can think, draping it over the back of another seat. He waits for me to sit until he does. Oh man, he smells soapy and spicy. I fiddle with the paper placemat covered in local ads. Surprised you haven't been here before, Campbell. He nods in that way he always does when I use his alias for public consumption. Almost a silent little thank you. I peek at his place setting. He's already helped himself to the salad bar. Every choice that wasn't a vegetable forms a gluttonous pile atop his plate. I'm not surprised and smile. He notices. Got hungry waiting. Sorry. I wave a hand, wiping away any need to apologize. Did I get the time wrong? I thought we said seven. Yeah. One of his knees swipes my thigh under the table. Sorry, he mutters. I'd wrapped up some work and figured I'd get here a little early. I nod, staring at those green eyes. You look nice, Winner. His grin cocks up one cheek, and he motions to the salad bar. You better get started if you want to keep up. Twenty minutes later, we've settled into our seats after picking our second courses. Dean is excited for the Saturday buffet specials. He sampled half of the meat and seafood selection by the looks of his plate. No vegetables have been tried. Well, except for french fries. He sips at his beer and inventories my plate with wide eyes. Why would you intentionally pick broccoli? I chuckle, because it's good for you. He shivers. Pass. I notice something's changed in Dean since last night. Since he's let me see more of what he and Sam do. Since I've seen their secret lair since he's added the existence of monsters to the reality of ghosts, and I haven't run off screaming. He seems a little more relaxed. Ricky hates broccoli, too. Most any green vegetable. I comment without thinking, and stab at the food on my plate. Did his dad like those little demon trees? A wistful smile graces those pouty lips. They glisten with ale. No. The pain is never really gone when I recall Rick but it's overpowered more often than not as the years go by. There's more of a thankfulness that I have so many wonderful memories to cherish. He was all meat and potatoes, all the time. Hmm, sounds like Ricky got the good genes from his dad, when it comes to eating habits, that is. I throw Dean a hurt feelings glance from behind my glasses. My arteries are in fine condition, thank you very much. Yours are probably writhing in pain from decades of misuse and torture. It's Dean's turn to toss a frown with major downturned lips. Ouch. Let a guy prepare and put on some boxing gloves if we're going toe-to-toe in the ring, sweetheart. A little heads up. I laugh. Too much? He pinches his thumb and forefinger together and gives me a grin. Attention draws back to his food. Some prime rib is held in position by his fork while the knife saws. Your arteries aren't the only thing about you in fine condition. The mumble is purposeful and loud enough for me to hear. But he doesn't look up. God damn it.
Chapter 5 I liked Lou. Dean is on his second shot of whiskey after three beers. We're an hour and a half into the buffet. He seems to have hit his wall between the beef and the booze. It was pretty impressive to watch the amount of food and alcohol vacuumed into his mouth. In my head, I'm trying to calculate the physical exercise he must get each day to balance that appetite and keep him looking so edible. I roll my eyes. Everybody liked Lou. The ladies especially liked Lou. And he liked them right back. I sip my drink. I had switched to water after my only beer. Dean nods. I'd heard he was stupid enough to cheat. Sorry, winner. I wave a hand. It's been years. I'm good. And he made it easier on me by getting back to trucking and leaving Kansas altogether after the divorce. A sigh of relief blows past my lips. It all happened right after Ricky went away to school. Amicable selling of our house. Split the profits. I bought my little cottage house. It doesn't get any cleaner of a break than that. Dean's stairs have been getting... I don't know. I guess I'd call them intense as the conversation drifts. The verbal back and forth is easy, free-flowing. He's turning me into a puddle of want with every stitch of expression on his face. A round, muscled shoulder leans into my corner, massive biceps resting on an elbow atop the table. That knee that he apologized for earlier, at the start of dinner? Yeah, it's been pressed against the denim covering my thigh for the past five minutes. No sorry this time. You haven't dated since. The words leaving Dean's mouth are a statement, not a question. I shake my head. Why? I want to tell him it's because he's been all the beautiful daydreams I've needed for a while. That the chance of seeing him every few weeks at the library, staring into those green eyes, asking for some research help, has set the bar super high that no other man has lived up to my fantasy of him. That I was good with that. That Dean Winchester has been that daunting novel I always meant to check out, but never got the nerve to start. That I was scared of how it might affect me if I ever really sat down and read all those pages. That you don't consume something that beautiful and not get changed by it. Or worse, hurt. His eyes are wide open, waiting. I shrug. Didn't want another hassle. He nods. Yeah, I, I get that. His knee rubs back and forth. I bite back a groan and take another sip. Maybe, he continues, you should just date for the fun of it. I try to hold my own when I respond. Not take things too seriously? Yeah, winner. He smiles. Isn't life shitty and serious enough? Well, this has been fun, I offer. He nods again. It has. He leans in closer. You know what would make it more fun? I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Dean's easy chuckle is one of the sexiest things I have ever heard. More like a suggestion. I snag my bottom lip with my teeth. Dean's gaze halts at my mouth. He licks his top lip. Holy shit. All ears, I squeak out. There's a motel stones throw from here. 
My heart's at the base of my throat again. Crestview Motel practically shares a parking lot with the steakhouse. I've had a few too many, so I think I'm going to get me a room. Give the alcohol a couple hours to work out on my system. There's no smirk or sass on his face or in his voice now. I sure would like your company. Continue the fun. I summon every ounce of nerve I have in me. Okay. I sit in my car in the steakhouse parking lot and peer over at Dean in the Impala. Even in the night shadows, I can tell the smirk is back. He roars the engine, gives me a two-finger salute, backs out, and then peels past my bumper. He darts into the highway for a split second and then swerves into the motel parking lot. My forehead drops onto the steering wheel. Am I really going to do this? I hadn't even considered this. Okay, that's bullshit. Of course I've considered this. Hundreds of times. But this is actually it. I rationalize I could probably chicken out, and he would be okay about it. I might get teased the next time he walks into the library, but he knows I'm interested, and I think he'd want to try this again. But what's holding me back now? Any good reason not to? Dean's right. Isn't life shitty and serious enough? I lean up and turn my attention toward the motel. I catch sight of Dean's figure leaving his car, bathed in the light of the large motel sign overhead. He disappears behind the wall of trees, more than likely heading to the clerk office to check in. Shit, shit, shit. I tap my fingers on the steering wheel. I should go home. Instead, I wait. My phone buzzes. It's him calling. He could have just texted. I swallow. My mouth is as dry as a prairie fire. I accept the call. Before I can say hello, he states, I got lucky number seven, winner. What do you want from the vending machine? They've got cookies, chocolate, gummies, uh, licorice, yes. I smile. You're buying me dessert, too? I hear the whir of the machine taking his cash. Whatever else I gotta do to get you over here. Apparently my charm's not enough. He puffs into the phone. A swoosh and slam of metal has me guessing he's fished out a treat or two, or three. I want to say his charm is more than enough, but I stay silent. His admission, wanting me there, wanting me, even if his seesaw side has dipped down into tipsy territory, stuns me. He sighs. Don't play hard to get with me anymore. That accusation causes me to respond with haste before I have time to think. I've never done that. Well then, I'm tired of thinking you were playing hard to get. I whisper into the phone. All you had to do was ask. I'm asking now, sweetheart. But I can tell by the low tone and deliberate inflection in his voice. He's not really asking. I hang up, not bothering to answer, and start the wrangler. I pull into a motel parking spot a minute later, right in front of the door marked number seven. My headlights herald my arrival. I turn off the engine and work to calm my breathing. There's a light on behind the tacky curtains. A shadow paces in the room. I haven't wanted anyone this much in a really long time. It's scary and terrifying. 
I sweep my tongue over my lips. I can taste the electricity in the air, and I'm not even in his presence yet. I haven't prepared for the idea of being intimate with this man tonight. I'm not wearing cute lingerie. I only shaved up to my knees and other areas of my body have not been trimmed properly in forever. But I want to know what those hands will feel like all over me. I want to have those lips whisper filthy, drunken things in my ear. I kind of want Dean to let whatever I feel he holds back on a regular basis loose. And let that loose all over me. God damn it. I close my eyes, say a little prayer, then let go. Person hand, my jacket drapes over a forearm as I slam the car door. I approach the entrance to lucky number seven and raise a hand to knock, but it opens before I get the chance. It swings wide. Dean leans against the edge. He greets me with a nod and a small smile. It's not a smug grin, announcing he knows I'd come. I smile in return. It's quiet aside from the occasional car zooming along the highway behind us. I pass the threshold and take in the room, focus on something other than him. There's a gaudy, thin, quilted comforter covering a queen-size bed. The theme of the room is a psychedelic jungle jumble of greens and purples. The brass fixtures are rusty, but I'm thankful the light in the room is warm and not a bright, unflattering fluorescent. A television about four decades old sits atop a just-as-old dresser. The smell of mildew and smoke fills the air. The door has clicked closed a while ago. I know he's behind me, probably inventorying me, waiting. I walk to a tiny table and place my bag atop it, next to a little pile of snack bags from the vending machine. My jacket covers my bag. I peek into the open bathroom door and wince. When I turn back, he's right there. I gasp at almost bumping into his chest. His soap and spice has been topped off with a whiskey and greasy buffet food aroma, but he still smells amazing. He smiles down at me. Time halts. He doesn't say anything. I hold my tongue while he uses his to lick those lips and make them shine. He starts to stroll in a circle around my figure. On instinct, I'm following his lead with a slow spin on my heels. He stops to face me head on. Then he steps into my space, forcing me to lurch backwards. I realize he's hurting me, hypnotizing with his intense stare, his eyes. Those green, golden-flecked irises are so pretty close up. He's so massive, towering over me, prodding me backwards. It would be understandable to focus on other aspects of this rugged man and not take the time to admire his pretty eyes. My knees and calves hit the side of the bed and I halt, stuck between it and Dean. But he's still coming. He leans in, daring me to connect some part of myself to him. But I shrink back and tumble onto the bed. My back settles into the lumpy mattress. A soft exhale releases from my lips. I did want him to let loose all over me. Serves me right. His big hands slip onto the comforter between my elbows and sides. He's arched above, arms locked, bow legs propped wide open around my calves and knees. He still hasn't actually touched me since we left the restaurant. I'm trapped and smiling. 
It must be a giddy, ridiculous-looking smile because he's grinning at me like I'm dinner. He dips down closer to my face, licks his lips. A rhythmic breathing from his nose wafts warm air over me. That jaw clenches. God damn it. He snaps back up to standing. The inside of his knees touch me first, corralling my legs shut tight at the thighs. A hand offers itself and I grab it. The skin is red hot and zaps me with electricity. There's a well-worn leather feel to his palm. Fine sandpaper grit to the pads of his fingers. He pulls me up to sit. Heat radiates from his body through the layer of denim against my leg. I crane my neck up to stare at that face. He hasn't let go of my hand. He's threading fingers between mine and swaying our connected palms back and forth to some tune in his head. Another set of fingers slide with ease along the base of my scalp and bury into my hair. They press in and circle against my skin. I stare at him under heavy lids. He massages. I clench my thighs. I'm so wet I'm surprised I haven't slipped off the bed. The pull away from me is sudden. I almost moan at the loss of his fingers in my hair and the release of his grip. It snaps my eyes open. He steps back. I marvel at how even standing straight and tall, those thick, muscled thighs of his bow legs never seem to meet. As much as I love that denim shirt, my excitement ramps up when he peels the layer off those shoulders and shuffles it down those arms. The black t-shirt is all kinds of tight, in all the right places, which is everywhere. His head tilts with sass at me. He balls up and tosses the shirt on top of the dresser. He drops to his knees and places his hands on mine and meets my eye level. Finally, he speaks. We good winner? I sigh. From what I'm seeing, we're fantastic. I smile. The playful grin is back. His hands reach up and grip the temples of my glasses. Still able to see if these come off? I nod and the glasses stay in place under his hold while my head moves. I laugh. He chuckles and eases them off and deposits them on the nightstand. There's no resistance as he parts my thighs open and shuffles closer on his knees. He licks his top lip and uses one hand to work the top button of my shirt. Was Lou the last? The question makes my core pulse even harder. I nod. Long ass time, winner. Another button. You tell me what you want, how you want it. Another button. I'll see what I can do to oblige. Fingers find the curve of one breast under the fabric and stroke. His breath stalls for a second. He closes his eyes. Lids squint in concentration. I reach out and comb through his short strands. He leans into my touch, eyes closed. I crumble at how soft and content he looks in that moment. What do you want? The question seems to surprise him as much as it does me that I even asked it. His eyes pop open. Another lick. Another button. His lips snuggle into my palm and peck at the skin. You, winner. Just want to feel good with you.